Hello and welcome to episode 129 of Chow Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney, and a great conversation heading your way today at Chow Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter, at Chow Squared on Facebook. Give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the more likely the show is to get recommended by the algorithm, which nobody understands, but it helps the show tremendously. New episode every single Tuesday, so subscribe now for the best hockey podcast in town. Chow Squared is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and though I am a full-time associate producer at SiriusXM NBA Radio, this podcast is not affiliated with the company in any way. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone, and may or may not reflect the views of SiriusXM. Joining Chow Squared today is a great guest. You see him, you hear him, and you read him on Sportsnet. He's their senior columnist and analyst working with everything Calgary Flames and beyond in the NHL. It is the great Eric Francis. Eric, what's up? Welcome to the show. I'm great. Thanks for that nice introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And and we have to start here with the the absolute track meet. That was the nine to five win against Edmonton on Saturday. <laughs> Let's. It was. It was like watching Gretzky in the eighties. I mean, that was. That was a wild. There was no defense being played. Just all goal, goals galore. Let's begin with the positives here. I mean, you, for, for the Flames, I mean, you can't really ask much more than that. I guess the fans were asking for ten, but nine ain't bad. They'll take that. I, I feel like. Hopefully, if you bet on the game, you took. If you took. Yeah. Hopefully, if you bet on the game, you took the over. Johnny Gaudreau had five assists. The, fl- the Flames became just the thirteenth team in NHL history to have four 30-goal scorers through 65 games. You have Lindholm at 34, Kachuk at 32, Mangiapane and Goudreau at 30. Take me through that game and what you saw from that vintage 80s-like performance. Well, I was, you know, I've covered this team for almost three decades now, and I, 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 it made me think, have I seen a more interesting, entertaining game Regular season game. I mean, playoffs are kind of a different animal. But in the regular season, have I seen anything quite that amazing? And, and I can't really – there's only one other game that kind of compares. It was also a Battle of Alberta, which included a goalie fight. So, I, I you know, this was just – Matthew Kachuk said it best when he said, I looked up from the bench, it was 6-5 to five for us, and we weren't even at the halfway part of the second period. Uh, that's how crazy that game was. It was just uh, – there, at one point, you know, people were digging into their record books to see what the NHL record was for most goals in an NHL game. Uh, obviously, they didn't come close to that. But uh, I don't ever recall fans chanting, we want 10. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that it's against your, 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 your most hated rival uh, in one of the great rivalries in sport, uh, that just added to, you know, the moment. And, uh, you know, you, you alluded to Johnny Gaudreau with his five assists. That's a career high for him for assists in a game and he moved into third score third scoring in the NHL and I thought that game was very um it was a perfect way for him to kind of muscle his way into that conversation for the Hart Trophy candidacy because I don't think people out east are talking about him uh, as a Hart Trophy finalist but they should be and that was a game that uh four of those were primary assists that were absolutely magical and uh those who aren't following Johnny Gaudreau or haven't seen him play or don't see him play very often, you need to tune in. And tonight would be a good night. Uh, you know, anytime they play is a good time to tune in to see him. But uh, 
you know, Johnny Gaudreau is as uh, creative a playmaker as the National Hockey League has had in the last decade, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, Eric, I'm out in New York. And if you don't if you think that I'm not going to have this Flames Avs game up on a stream at, at somewhere in in my in my house here, I mean, you are sadly mistaken. Like we I am absolutely going to have that game. I mean, that's going to be an absolute one for the ages. And we'll get to that game here in a second. But you mentioned Johnny Gaudreau. And I want to follow up on what you said here. He's been unbelievable for Calgary. And and you said it, and I'll say it again. I mean, he's been absolutely outstanding. His counting stats are incredible. His analytics also are off the charts. He's having a massive season for the Sea of Red, on pace to break all of his single season records. You put, an, you, put a, you put out an article yesterday making the case for Johnny Gaudreau for the Hart Trophy. What have you seen out of him this season that has kind of made him into this Hart candidate? And do you think he potentially deserves it more than, say, Austin Matthews or Igor Shosturkin. You know, I I don't I'm not at the point where I'm willing to say he's he deserves it more than Austin Matthews. I mean, I'm not gonna you know uh, I don't want to sound like a homer and blindly just root for the guy just because he's in the city that I cover. But I, I think he should be in the conversation in terms of being a finalist. He's not there yet in terms of winning it. However, there are 17 games left, and I remember three years ago Johnny Gaudreau was in the Hart Trophy conversation. He had 99 points that year, but I think the last dozen games, he completely fizzled. The team had nothing to play for. They had wrapped up the West, and he didn't put many points up. And he fell out, and he finished fourth in Hart Trophy voting. You know, the opposite could be true this year. If he continues doing what he's been doing of late, he's got 10 points in his last three games. You know, if he continues this torrid pace, you know, from now to the end of the season, I don't think – then I think you could start talking about comparing him to Austin Matthews. I don't agree with Shesterkin being in the conversation, period. The goalies have their own award, and I, and I know goalies can win it, and it, but this is just a personal thing. I, I don't believe that Shesterkin's had the type of all-world season uh, that merits him rocketing ahead of skilled players, skaters, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, Jacob Markstrom, the goalie in Calgary, has numbers that are quite similar to Shesterkin's. And yet nobody's talking about Jacob Marks from being a Hart Trophy candidate. So I, I think it's Austin Matthews' award to lose from now to the end of the season. Um, but uh, And I like Johnny Gaudreau in that conversation. I like Jonathan Huberdo in that conversation, although of late he, he hasn't been that good of late. Um, you know, there, there are a handful of really good people that could get this award, but I don't agree with a defenseman or a forward winning this award uh, just, just the way I've always felt. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight back on you on this for a little bit here because as as somebody that lives in New York, I have watched every minute of Shesterkin play hockey this season. And when I tell you that if Igor Shesterkin was not the starting goalie for the New York Rangers, the Rangers would not only be out of a playoff spot. I mean, they they might have maybe legitimately. 15, 20 fewer wins. I mean, this man, it single-handedly, especially in certain parts of the season when the Rangers were struggling at five on five, they couldn't get much going, especially on, on, on the third line, fourth line before the deadline, where they could not find much scoring at all if Kreider or Zabinajad weren't scoring goals. This team did not have a whole lot. And Shesterkin is the only reason, the biggest reason, the Rangers are where they are right now. So... 
I, I, I will push back on you a little bit there because I think like Shesterkin, I've watched him play every single minute of this game and Markstrom has been terrific. I'm not, you know, this is not a, a pom-pom session for Igor Shesterkin and we're throwing Jacob Markstrom to the wayside. That's, that's not what this is. But I think I think mm-hmm. with, with Shesterkin, the, he is legitimately the reason the Rangers bought at the deadline and the reason why the Rangers are in such a solid playoff spot. It's because he's put them on their on his back, just like Henrik Lundqvist did back, you know, before him, he's carrying them to a playoff spot. And now the offense is starting to 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 gather momentum, and the team is playing well. But if not for Sisterkin, at, at you know, large stretches in the in this season, the Rangers would not be where they are at. So that is where I disagree on you, uh, with you on 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 the Hart Trophy. But in terms of Goudreau being amongst the names, I feel like you're right. I I, I don't have much to argue with you there. Yeah, and, and, and hey, I, I've always got time to listen to anyone. You know, at this time of year, I think it's so uh, crucial that people like me who have a vote uh, talk to people around the league and say, just how important has this player been? Because that's, you know, the definition of the Hart Trophy winner. People just think it's the best player in the league. And it's, it's, that is not the award at all. It's not about who's the best player in the league. If it was the best player in the league, they'd just give it to Connor McDavid every year. Uh, he is the best player on the planet. But it's the player adjudicated to be the most valuable to his team. Now, you know, so in that regard, you could say Shesterkin is so much more important than anybody else on that team that if he wasn't in the, on the roster, they wouldn't even be in a playoff spot. Um, it's hard to do that in Calgary because take Johnny Gaudreau off. Well, this is the best line in hockey this year. Uh, Gaudreau, uh, Lindholm, and Kachuk by quite a mile. I mean, no other line comes even close to the numbers that this line has posted in terms of goals for, goals against, five-on-five goals, potency. Um, But So it's kind of hard to argue that if you took Johnny Gaudreau off, well, those other two guys are pretty good. Kachuk is sixth in the league in scoring right now. Markstrom is a Vesna Trophy candidate. Um, You know, But anyway, I go back to the goaltending. And right now, it's just Sturkin and Markstrom both have 31 wins. Shesterkin has a 2.11 goals against average. Markstrom is 2.16. And, and I get it. I get what you're saying. Uh, Shesterkin has a little bit better save percentage, by, by far the league's best, actually. But isn't it funny how those numbers can be so close, yet one guy's getting so much talk for the heart. The other guy, people would list four flames ahead of Jacob Markstrom for the heart before they listed him. So it's just funny how everybody looks at their situation differently. Well, again, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on here in a second, but I think with the Rangers, Shesterkin is the primary reason the Rangers have so many wins. For Calgary, mm-hmm. Markstrom ha- is also the reason oh, the Flames... The, the, the Markstrom has backstop the flames to multiple wins right uh, no one no one is or at least no you know no sane person that's been watching hockey this season can can argue otherwise but for shesterkin specifically if there's anybody else on the planet that is in the crease for a lot of the games that shesterkin has won the rangers would not be winning those games and they just wouldn't be where they are and with with the calgary flames it, it to me anyway again i Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, and you tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, I, I'm, I will gladly admit that I'm wrong if, if I am. But I think with Calgary, it has been a much more team effort. And while Markstrom has been oh, incredible, yeah. Mark, like, Chesterkin is point blank the reason the Rangers have won. As, I don't want to say every game, but a lot of the games that they've won has been because 
the Rangers give up 50, <laughs> 40, 50 shots, and Shesterkin is just that good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Flames play very, you know, uh, Sutter hates it when we say the term defensive-oriented hockey. But, you know, I think they're the fourth stingiest team in the National Hockey League. And when you take Markstrom out of the crease and put Dan Vladar in their backup, there's not a huge drop-off. So to your point, you know, this is a, this is a team that's a juggernaut and emerges a juggernaut largely because of their goaltending it on out. Uh, but I get it. You know, it's too bad they don't have a stat. It would be impossible to quantify it. But to have a stat that says games stolen. Because I think that's, you know, <laughs> back in the day when Calgary, right? Because Christian Sturkin has stolen games that the Rangers had no business winning. There's no question about that. And that's why he's in this Hart Trophy conversation. Markstrom has probably had two or three games this year, I would say at the most, where the Calgary Flames absolutely should have lost and he pulled it out of the fire. Um, he doesn't have to be that guy, though, most nights. So that's the luxury he has. So anyway, we'll move on. But uh it is a fascinating discussion, and uh, and full marks to Shesterkin. A lot of people saw this coming. I'm sure people in the New York area, you know, knew he was going into the season as a legitimate candidate, and he's absolutely lived up to the billing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, and we will move on, but really quickly here, like just one quick set. I don't know if you subscribe to to Jack Frazier's analytics, Jay Fresh, uh, on Twitter. I mean, his his analytics are incredible, and and he he keeps tracks of goalies uh, goals saved above expected leaders, which means like if you put an average goalie in there, he'll stop zero more shots than what is to be expected. Igor Shosturkin is running away with that stat at a plus forty. So he's stopped 40 shots that the average goalie would have let in. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is sixth on that list at 19.7. So he, so Shesterkin, for what it's worth, he's he's stopping everything and uh, things that should be going into the net nine times out of ten. He's he's stopping those shots that give the Rangers the wins that maybe they they maybe they shouldn't have or maybe don't deserve one way or another he's he's been their leader all season but let's let's move on here because we have i mean this is <laughs> i didn't mean for this to be a uh shesterkin versus markstrom versus good joke conversation but here we are i i do want to mention this here for the first time in his career sean monahan was a healthy scratch in that game against Edmonton. He signed a seven-year deal that sees him getting paid $6.375 million until the end of next season. This year, though, eight goals, 14 assists. He's been demoted to the fourth line, and as I mentioned, he was a healthy scratch uh, against the Oilers. Eric, what have you seen from Sean Monaghan this season, and how do the Flames get him out of this? Yeah, he's... So he's going to play against the Avalanche tonight. It was just a one-game uh, sit-down. I'm sure he'll be in and out of the lineup from now to the end of the season. Uh, this is an amazing story and a tremendous fall from grace, and I don't say that with any glee. I mean, this is a real stand-up guy. He's always great with the media, real positive and uh, uh, popular guy in the dressing room. You know, was a, was a first-round draft pick of the Flames. You know, a perennial 30-goal scorer, yet over the last two years, injuries have mounted to the point where after last season's postseason uh, hip surgery, he's come in this year, and I think everyone expected him to be a first or second line center. They, potentially, he would have got bumped down to the second line, but he is a fourth line center now. And I got to tell you, that is a really, uh, it is a really, really monumental task to ask somebody who's only scored their whole life. I mean, he's a well-rounded player, but he's been a scorer. That's his job to put the puck in the net, and now you're asking him to do nothing except for keep the puck out of your net. It's a totally different way of looking at the game. And he struggled with it. And uh, as a fourth liner on a team that's, I think the Flames are second in the league right now with like plus 71. Um, 
he's minus 16. I mean, that is, that's not easy to do. So he, that just, and I don't think that's a very, I don't love that stat, but that is an incredible indicator of just how far from the rest of the group he is. Uh, so they, they gave him the night off the other night for the first time in his career with a healthy scratch. The idea being, let's give him some rest and see if maybe he can get, you know, get his body feeling a little better. I'm surprised they're putting him back in after just one game off, but I also think they don't want to ruin his, you know, whatever confidence he has left. So uh, fascinating fall from grace. You don't see a 30 goal score go from the first line to the fourth line to out of the, out of the lineup in basically a year and a half, but that's, that's what's happened under Daryl Sutter. And I'm not saying it's Sutter's fault. It's just that Sutter has very, very succinctly said to every single player, this this is your role. This, this is exactly what your role is, and this is what you're expected to do every night. So every player knows exactly where they stand. He has just not been able to do what the coach has asked him to do. Talking with Eric Francis, the incredible, incredible columnist and analyst for Sportsnet. Eric, I'm going to give you a statement here, and I want you to fill in the blank. Jacob Markstrom this season has been blank. Uh, Jacob Markstrom this season has been as advertised. You know, when they spent $6 million last year, uh, two summers ago, uh, and they stole him from the Vancouver Canucks. And in the same fell swoop, they stole him from their chief rival, the Edmonton Oilers. So they basically took him away from the two biggest rivals the Calgary Flames had, which makes it even more of a coup. Uh, you know, they were expecting him to be this guy. I mean, he was trending in that way. He was, you know, a Besna candidate-ish in Vancouver. Uh, and, and now, you know, he, he's come through with that. Last year was his first year in Calgary. And he had a concussion at one point and he had a great start. Then he had a concussion and he never was the same this year. He's been healthy. He's been as advertised. He's been spectacular. I could put, I could put the word uh, spectacular in there, but I think as advertised works a little better because this is what everyone expected. They just needed him to be this confident all season long. And he is really consistent. Well, the Flames play the Avs tonight. I would imagine that Markstrom will be in net for that game. A big, big heavy header matchup, as we talked about. I mean, if you're not watching this game and you're a hockey fan, I mean, what you're doing? Because you better have that game on. That's going to be a very interesting game. Even mm-hmm. even if uh, Nathan McKinnon is out, he got a, a hand injury, if I if I remember correctly. He against uh, he he fought and he's out for potentially a while, which is a scary injury and one to keep an, uh, keep an eye out uh, f- if you're the Avs. And also, if you're playing the Avs come the first round of the playoffs, that might be an injury that uh, that lingers for that long. Uh, so the, the Avs shut out the Flames 3-0 when they played 16 days ago. McKinnon scored two goals in that game. Talk to me about tonight's battle and how the Flames stack up against potentially and possibly the scariest team in the NHL. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. You know, this is a team that's as deep, uh, as experienced. That's a big thing that, that they they have over the Calgary Flames. This, this Avalanche team has spent the last couple, couple springs, you know, getting some serious playoff experience. And, uh, and, and the last time the Flames were in the playoffs, they played Colorado and got their asses whooped. And so, it, and it was the turning point for the Avalanche franchise. So, Avalanche, I think I have every reason to feel confident when playing the Flames, but the Flames went into Colorado, uh, what, about three weeks ago and beat the Avalanche in overtime in a phenomenal hockey game. So these two are very evenly matched. Even that 3 nothing game was pretty darn close. Um, but without McKinnon tonight, without Landeskog tonight, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit different complexion. Now, it'll really test the depth of the Avalanche. It's, 
They still have Rantanen, who I think is the most underrated player in the National Hockey League. They still have Kadri, who's probably the biggest surprise this season with how many points he's put up. They've still got so many weapons. They've got size, um, and they've got that incredible blue line. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone is thinking that this is going to be anything but a classic. Uh, two teams that both want to try to prove to one another that when they do meet in the playoffs, sorry, if they do meet in the playoffs, uh, that they'll have the upper upper hand. Uh, but I'm not sure we're going to get a real true sense of where each team stands because the Avalanche are missing their two best players. But I still think it's going to be a phenomenal hockey game. And, hey, the, the, the follow-up the, the follow from the Saturday game here in Calgary, which was you know one of the most incredible games, as I said earlier, uh, that 14-goal game that the Flames won, um, you know, the crowd here, the city right now is really buzzing. And they really feel like the Flames are on the verge of doing something special this year. And, uh, and, and, and they know that the Avalanche would probably be one of the teams standing in their way between doing something special. So tonight's a real show-me sort of game. Speaking of show-me, the Calgary Flames added Callie Yarncroak and Ryan Carpenter at the deadline. They also got Tyler Toffoli from the Canadiens earlier on in the season. What have you seen from the new faces? And in your opinion, did the Calgary Flames do enough at the deadline to make a serious push for the Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah, I do think that they did enough. You know, I actually think um, I actually think that uh, they did a little more than the Avalanche did. Like, I think they closed the gap a little on the Avalanche. The Avalanche filled some holes and they got bigger with Josh Manson and Nico Sturm and such, but some experience from Cogliano. But the Flames, you know, they needed a third-line center more than anything. And Yarncroak is, is filled in well. I mean, he hasn't really stood out like Topoli has. Topoli came in and I think 11 games in, he had eight goals. Uh, he's slowed down a little late, but he's really, really been uh, a great depth add for the Flames too. You know, it says everything you need to know about how deep the Flames are when their third line over the last week and a half uh, has included Andrew Mangiapane, who's got 31 goals, I believe, and and Tyler Toffoli, who I think, you know, is a 30-goal scorer with regularity. Um, and, and, and that's their third line. So the depth on both teams is really uh, fleshed out. And uh, I think the Calgary Flames, you know, addressed the two things they needed most, that third-line center and a third-line winger, and they got them both at or around the deadline. And uh, I absolutely think that this team could do something very special in the playoffs this year. It's eerily reminiscent of the team I covered in 04 when Daryl Sutter walked in, and the very next year they went to the Stanley Cup final, and they had no business doing it. They were half the team that this team is right now. Uh, so that Daryl Sutter magic continues, and I think it's the biggest reason why people think this team can uh, follow through and, and, and be not just good in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. Well, Eric Francis, do you see a legitimate path for the Calgary Flames to be the 2022 Stanley Cup champions? Oh, man, I don't want to be put on the record. <laughs> I think I, I, I've said this much. I've said that, you know, would I be shocked if they were in the Stanley Cup final? No, no, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, am I expecting them to be in the Stanley Cup final? No, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did it. I mean, just the depth and the fact that they're, you know, they're throwing haymakers back and forth with Colorado and holding their own. And, and I think Colorado is the standard in the league. So, I don't, you know, the Flames have beaten Tampa this year. They've beaten Florida. Uh, they've beaten the Leafs. They've beaten all the teams that you might consider to be one of the top contenders. And so I don't see any reason why they couldn't do that in the playoffs. But if they're going to do it, 
They're probably going to have to go through their provincial rival in Edmonton, and that could be pretty fascinating and a, and a real war of attrition. And they're also going to have to do it probably against Colorado, which is the, the, the best team in the NHL. So not easy task, but uh, they're trending in the right direction. No, no team is hotter in the last 10 weeks in the Calgary Flames. That's right. And a quick thing on Edmonton. I mean, I, I had Gene Principe on the show a few weeks ago. We talked about their goaltending issues. And the, the, my concern at the time was their goaltending right now is not good enough to do anything come playoff time. And they did nothing at the no. deadline. And well, <laughs> when you get nine goals scored on you, I, I feel like that that should be alarm bells ringing, you know, ringing in, in your head like, oh, wait, <laughs> this this might have been something that, that should have been improved on. But they didn't. And for whatever reason, maybe, maybe talks were had and nothing got done. But ultimately, if the Edmonton Oilers are your... Well, I don't want to say your only concern because you, obviously the, the Kings are, are up there as well and every team is, is dangerous come playoff time. We've seen that from especially the LA Kings in 2012 and 2014. Um, but when you take a look at your your division rivals and the Kings and the Oilers here and some other teams, to me anyway, the Calgary Flames are are much better than the than the Kings who are young and inexperienced. Obviously, have, they still have Jonathan Quick and they have Dustin Brown and Kopitar and these guys, but for the most part, they're an inexperienced team. The Edmonton Oilers can't stop a beach ball most nights, unfortunately. Like That's just how it is. And the Flames are just a yep. much better team. But the playoffs, as we all know, come playoff time, and as Toronto very, very, very uh, dearly knows, it's a whole different animal when it gets to that part of the season. Well, you know what's funny about that game the other night that was 9-5? And, like, throw that away because that's, I'm not sure that's giving you any sort of indication of what you can expect in the playoffs or anything like that. But forget about the 14 goals. Forget about the back and forth and how awesome a game it was. At the end of the day, two things that are true in that, in that little head-to-head -head rivalry that will never change. Well, not under the current rosters. So we'll let you, one is... The Edmonton Oilers don't have goaltending. So, you know, that was obvious. You know, Koskinen was chased on five goals on 12 shots. That's just not NHL level. And, uh, and Mike Smith didn't do much better. But the other truth is that the Calgary Flames, until they realize that they have to stop taking penalties against the Oilers, the Oilers will always be able to stay in every game against the Calgary Flames because the Flames just keep giving them power plays and the Oilers – Always, always make them pay. I think their last seven or eight meetings, the Oilers have got at least one or two power play goals in every meeting. Uh, so it's a hard lesson for the Calgary Flames apparently to learn. But uh, they, they tried to let the Oilers back in that game the other night by uh, giving them five power plays, and the Oilers scored three of them. So those are two eternal truths, it seems, right now for both those two teams if they are to meet in the playoffs. One doesn't have goaltending. That's not going to change. One can't stop taking dumb penalties against a team that'll make you pay more than any other on the power play. It's interesting. I'm, I'm just taking a look at the, uh, the, the schedule here for the, for, the, uh, for the Flames here. And you play the, the Flames play the Avs tonight. Tickets start at $36, which, which I think is like, as a New Yorker, just as an aside, is hilarious. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, was, yeah. I, I looked at tickets for the Rangers played Buffalo. The last game at home was against Buffalo. And tickets were $80. And that was the most. That was the cheapest one for one ticket was eighty dollars. The mm -hmm. Flames play Colorado, which is going to be must see TV. I mean, this is this. If you if you don't watch this game, I, and I like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, if you're a hockey fan, like, I don't know what you're doing. Tickets are less than half. 
or what than what Rangers and Buffalo is, which is, I mean, I don't know. Like that's, I guess that's that's the con of uh of being in a in such a huge market. But I mean, I, the if I if I lived in well, Calgary, yeah. if I lived in Calgary, I I would get two tickets. I would like eight eighty bucks. Per, I, that would get you what, like maybe front row seats, I, dude. If if you have the money, you better you better be there. That has to be a sellout crowd. I would imagine that's going to be a hell of a game. Well, first of all, thirty and thirty six bucks is that's Canadian, right? So that's like four bucks American. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so so it's really dirt cheap when you compare it. But you know, the Flames have only sold out one game this season, and it was that game on Saturday night against the Oilers. So tonight's game will not be a sellout. Uh, they've been two, three thousand short of a cello pretty much the whole season uh, when fans were allowed in the building. That is, and I, I think it's just you know it's taking time to recover from from COVID and people getting used to not going to the games. But also you know just for a little bit of context, like this is a huge oil and gas town has been forever, and uh, with you know the oil and gas industry, uh, with the exception of of course the last like three months, uh, has been in the doldrums and the cost cutting and. We have one third of all of our office spaces in this city are empty. So anyway, that's a little context as to why there are so many empty seats. The economy in this city has kind of struggled for the last couple of years, uh, especially with all the corporate support that it used to get from oil and gas that has disappeared. So anyway, I think when the flaps come around, this place will be rammed every single night. Uh, but but right now they're they're sitting at a two or three thousand seat deficit every game, and it's because just of the economy mostly. We got the Flames and Avs tonight. Like like I said, if you're not watching this game, you, I don't know if you could call yourself a hockey fan if you're not watching. I mean, come on, like this this is this is gonna be one for the ages. But Eric, you're outstanding. I love having you on to talk some Flames. Can you do me a favor and come back once we're into the playoffs? Can you do me that? Oh man, I I love to. I love talking hockey. It's what I do. I love chatting with it. So. I appreciate you having me on. Good luck with the podcast, and uh, I'll be listening. Absolutely appreciate it, Eric. And and you are at Eric Francis on Twitter. If you're not following Eric, you doing? you doing? Because he's a great follow. You better follow him, uh, and I will know if you're not following. Him, I'll be watching. So you better, you better hit that follow button on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at Chell Squared and at Chelney Andrew C H E L N E Y Andrew on Twitter. At Chell Squared on Facebook. Give the show, like I said, that five star review on a podcast. I mean, this this means more than than most things. I mean, for the algorithm, nobody understands it, nobody gets it. But it, but the more reviews, the more likely it is to be shared with other people that are also hockey fans. So that would mean a lot to me. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney. Thanks for listening. Chell Squared. Next episode is next Tuesday. I'll talk to you then.